Thanks, John. Hey, family, great to see you. Hope you had a great weekend. I had a great weekend watching UCLA demolish Stanford, right? I hope you enjoyed it like I did. No? Yes. Yes. That's always my favorite day of the year because we have a bunch of Stanford grads and Stanford family here at Harbor Church, and I was rejected by Stanford. And so I love that day every year when we get to just demolish Stanford once and for all. It was a, it was a great game yesterday. I was cheering like mad. We were out to eat, and I was still clapping, watching the TV, embarrassing my family. But they, they kind of joined in a little bit because if you know my family, you know my family is loud, okay? We are a talkative Family, not just when we're watching football, when we're eating dinner, if it's all six of us at the table, everybody's talking over each other. It's just loud. My neighbors know really well how loud we are because all of our windows are open all the time. And so my neighbors get to enjoy our loudness all the time. In fact, when, I first, when, when we first moved into the neighborhood, I went around and introduced myself to each of our neighbors. And I just asked them what their favorite thing was while living on this street. And every single one of them said, you know what, I love how quiet it is here. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Everyone, I apologize to every single one because I'm like, it's not going to be quiet anymore. I hate to tell you. And uh, we, we, we're loud. We're talkative when we're together. But here's the thing. I don't think we're alone in that. There's some families that are loud, some families that are soft, but all of us, you know, talk an incredible amount. I saw a statistic. Do you know how many words the average person speaks or types every day? 10,000, 10,000 words every one of us speaks or types every single day. That's a lot of words. And guess what? Every single one of those words has power. You can do a lot of good or a lot of damage with just a few words. James 3, it says, your tongue is a spark, a spark that can set a whole forest on fire. We know here in Hawaii now, what a few sparks can do. And still three months later, we are devastated by that. We're heartbroken by that. We've seen the damage a, a few sparks can cause. And according to scripture, your tongue can cause an amazing amount of damage in the same way. I was talking to someone a little while ago who still remembered three words that his middle school teacher told him. Just some random middle school teacher said to him, you don't belong in this class. You don't belong. And ever since that moment, that's what he's been repeating to himself. In jobs, you don't belong here. In friendships, you don't belong. In ministries, you don't belong here. Just three words, you don't belong, that's shaped his life for the last 30 years. We can do a lot of damage with our words, but at the same time, we can do so much good with our words. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit to guide our words. That's what we're going to see here in 1 Corinthians today. If you got your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. We've been making our way through this book, and at the beginning of chapter 12, we heard Paul say, this section is going to be concerning spiritual gifts. And that's literally concerning spirituality. Just simply concerning the stuff that the Holy Spirit does. That's what this whole section is about the stuff the Spirit does in you and through you. And so in chapter 12, we saw how the Spirit gives gifts to you, 
how the Spirit builds the church through you. We saw in chapter 13 how the Holy Spirit loves through you. And now in chapter 14, we're going to see how the Spirit can speak through you. That's what we want to see happen in our church and in the world. We want to see the Holy Spirit speak through us. So let's pray for that to happen. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you have spoken to us. You spoke this world into existence. You spoke our salvation into existence when you sent the word become flesh, your son, to die for us, rise for us, and lovingly reign over us. Now, Lord, you've sent your Holy Spirit to speak through us. Help us to be open, open to what your Spirit wants to accomplish through us in the lives of the people around us. We know that it's all because of the life and death and reign of Jesus. And so we pray all of this in his name. Amen. So what we're going to see here in 1 Corinthians 14 is that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to people through you. And Paul is going to focus on two specific ways that the Holy Spirit can speak. We're going to see two specific things. But at the same time, I want to make it clear that what he's saying here really applies to all of the different ways that the Spirit uses us to speak to the people around us. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Literally, pursue spirituality. Desire the Spirit to do more stuff in you. Desire spirituality and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Okay, so we're seeing a couple different ways that the Spirit can speak. First of all, is to speak through tongues. Another word for that, just languages. Same word in the Greek. Tongues or languages. There's a few different ways that that can happen. Sometimes the Spirit gives Christians the supernatural ability to speak in a human language that they never knew before that moment. You see that in Acts 2, when the church is gathered together, and then all of a sudden they start speaking to all these different people who've come from all these different countries from around the world in languages that they never studied before that moment. Amazing gift. And guess what? The Spirit still does that today. We had a gal here at Harbor Church, a young adult, who went on a missions trip to Morocco with some of her friends. They were in the marketplace there. They decided to go up to a group of girls and start talking to them. And this young lady started sharing the gospel with them. After she was done, her friends pulled her aside and they were like, when did you learn to speak Arabic? She's like, what are you talking about? I was speaking in English. They're like, no, you were speaking in Arabic. Amazing. The Spirit empowers his people to speak in languages that they've never studied before. But then there's another kind of tongues that the Spirit can bring, not a human language, a heavenly language. And that's what Paul's talking about here in this chapter. He says it's not speaking to people but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. So this isn't a human language. This is an angelic language. And this right here, this is one of the reasons why the Corinthians were writing to Paul. This is one of the reasons why he's writing back to them. This is one of the issues that the Christians in Corinth were scrapping about. There was two sides. There was the crazy charismatics on one side, we're speaking in tongues all the time, just 24 hours a day speaking in tongues. And then there's the cold conservatives on the other side who got really weirded out and they just wanted to 
plug their ears and close their eyes and make it all go away because it was just so weird to them. And so they're writing to Paul, okay, we've got these two sides, which one is right? We still have the same debate today. We still have Christians on both sides. In our church, we have a good number of folks who would say they're open but cautious to the charismatic gifts like that. What that usually means, at least in my experience, is they're open to tongues being spoken at the church down the road, but very cautious about it happening in our own church. And so that's the kind of approach that some of these Christians in Corinth wanted to take. And and they wanted Paul to condemn the use of tongues, but he refuses to do that. He says at the end of this chapter, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Can't forbid it. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But then at the same time, he says that the gift of angelic tongues might be the least helpful gift of them all. He says, I would rather speak five words with understanding in order to teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. That's because when you're speaking in a heavenly angelic tongue, nobody else can understand what you're saying. And he also knows from personal experience that it can be tempting to use this gift only for your own benefit just for your own mystical experience with God. It can be a great thing, but the Spirit gives us gifts to serve other people. Look at what Paul says in verse three. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So here's another way that the Holy Spirit can use people to speak, through prophecy. And this is another word that people debate There's a lot of debate over that word too. And so here's what we gotta say. First of all, prophecy does not mean telling the future. It almost never means that even in scripture. Even the Old Testament prophets almost never foretold the future. That's not what prophecy is. At the same time, prophecy doesn't mean just preaching in a really convicting way. That's what the cold conservative side usually defines prophecy as. Just preaching that's really convicting. Also, prophecy doesn't mean proclaiming an authoritative word from the Lord. That's what the charismatic side would say. The problem with that is that in the New Testament, authoritative words from the Lord didn't come through prophets. They came through the apostles. The New Testament use of prophecy is different from Old Testament prophets. And so, Pastor John told you a couple weeks ago what prophecy is in the New Testament sense. Prophecy is telling something that the Spirit spontaneously brings to mind. Telling something that the Spirit spontaneously brings to mind. And so God is the one inspiring it, but since it's coming through you, it has to be evaluated. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Test every prophecy because there are going to be some prophecies that are good and some that are not so good. The good prophecies are always going to conform to what Scripture already says, but they'll be delivered in a more direct and personal way. There's a few different forms that that can take. In chapter 12, Paul said that the Spirit can give words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Have you ever been talking to someone about something going on in your life and they just said something really profound to you? That was exactly what you needed to hear in that moment. Just something that reflected a verse in the Bible or a concept or idea in the Bible. That would be a word of wisdom. 
But then in chapter 12, Paul said there's also words of knowledge. You ever been talking to someone and it seemed like they knew something about you that they shouldn't know? Now, they might have been stalking your social media. That might have been what happened. But it also could have been the Holy Spirit giving them knowledge that they didn't have. A few years ago, I was talking to a pastor, and uh, I just met him, and about 30 seconds into the conversation, he just stops, and he says, you know what, Matt, I think that you don't have faith in the power of God. Now, I'd known him for 30 seconds, and so I felt a little defensive about this assessment, so I'm like, no, 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 you're wrong. I have plenty of faith in God, I'm just very realistic, that's what I am. But then as we went further in the conversation, I just had to stop it again and say, you know what? You were absolutely right when you said that. Because we were dealing with a situation in our family where just I didn't have any confidence that God would be able to help us overcome the obstacles that we were seeing. He had no idea what was going on in my family. I met him 30 seconds ago. But God used him to deliver a word of knowledge that was exactly what I needed in that moment. Sometimes God gives words like that to me. Sometimes God delivers words like that through me. So sometimes I'll be preaching and the Spirit will just give me like spontaneously some example or illustration that just kind of flows out. And then after the service, somebody will come up to me and be like, bruh, you were talking about me. Did you know that? Did you, did you hack my Gmail? Is that what happened? And I'm like, nope. The Spirit hacked both of us. That's what happened. The Spirit delivers words of knowledge sometimes in order to bless and encourage and exhort his people. The Holy Spirit does that, and family, we need more of it. We need more of this happening in our church. Paul said in verse one, desire spirituality and especially that you may prophesy. We need the Holy Spirit to be speaking through us to each other more and more in this church. We need that. Look what Paul says in verse four. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Paul's going, hey, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Speaking in tongues, speaking in an angelic language, it's pretty awesome. It's such a comforting, maybe sometimes mind-blowing experience, but when it happens, I'm the only one who benefits from it. It It doesn't help you at all. And if I'm not caring about you, then I'm not loving you. And what we learned last week in chapter 13 is what the Spirit primarily wants to do when he works through us is to share God's love to us so that we can share it with the people around us. And so that's why Paul says at the end of verse five, the person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So that the church may be built up. Family, that is the goal in all of our speaking. Whenever your mouth opens, whenever your gums flap in the wind, that should be your goal, to build up the people that you're speaking to. So verse six, so now brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? I wanna benefit you. I wanna bless you. I wanna build you. And that's gonna happen when the spirit speaks through me to you. Paul's already given us some hints on how we can see that happen. Here's how to speak 
in the Spirit. Number one, we got to be present. Paul says, if I come to you, not DM you, not snap you, not email you, not write you a cursive long-form letter, I want to come to you is what he says. I want to be present with you. Because we build each other up when we're present with each other, when we're fully present in the conversation. When we become better listeners, that's how we build each other up. There's different kinds of conversations, right? There's, there's me conversations where I'm doing most of the talking, like this conversation right now. There's we conversations where it's kind of back and forth. And then there's you conversations where I'm just listening primarily to the other person. So let me ask you this. How many you conversations have you been in lately? How many times have you just deliberately said, I want to I wanna just be there for my friend? I just want to listen to my friends. Most of us are terrible listeners. Terrible. That's why pretty much every counselor that I know has a waiting list that's three months long because nobody else in the world will just sit down and listen. We're terrible at that, man. We all got to become better listeners. Last week, we had a training on how to be better listeners as we prepare to do ministry on Maui. They gave us some hints in how to be a better listener. Here's how to be a better listener. Five do's and five don'ts. Do, think about what the other person is saying, not just how you're gonna respond. Do be curious. Ask a lot of questions and then follow-up questions. Do give feedback. Oh, oh wow, oh seriously. Let them know you're actually listening. Do set aside distractions. Put your phone in your pocket and leave it there. Do allow silence. It's only awkward to you if the other person is sharing deep things. They need some time to process. And then don't. Don't interrupt. Let them finish their thoughts. Don't try and fix their problems. That's not why they're coming to you. Don't say, I understand. You probably don't, all right? Don't tell your story. Oh, oh, that happened to you? That's terrible, but listen to what happened to me. Don't do that. And then don't give cliches. Well, when God closes a door, he opens a window. They're like, yeah, that might be true, but when that door slammed in my face, it broke my nose and it still hurts. They don't need your cliches. They need you to be sensitive to where they're at. Proverbs 25 says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like vinegar on soda. Such a profound image. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like vinegar on soda. Have you ever tried mixing vinegar and baking soda? Better put on some safety goggles first. There's gonna be an explosion. And it's the same reaction you're gonna get from your friend when you're like, hey, you just gotta be more positive, man. Just got to think positive thoughts. They're going to explode on you when you try and give them that. They don't need your cliches. They don't need you to sing songs. They just need you to listen. They need you to be sensitive to where they're at and what they really need. So be present. And then number two, be purposeful. Be purposeful. Paul says in verse six, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? And Those are all different kinds of speech that have an end goal. 
to encourage and exhort, to bless and build up. So family, when you open your mouth, try and have an idea of what you want to accomplish by opening your mouth. Too many times we just let words fly out without thinking about it. Paul says in verse seven, he's kind of talking about this, even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? Yeah, if you're playing an instrument, you need to be clear in what you're trying to get across with that music. We used to have a girl who lived down the street from us who played the trombone. And uh, if, I, if I was from the South, I would say, bless her heart. She tried. She, she really tried to play the trombone, but she, she just sounded like a like a dying rhinoceros all the time. It was awful. And she would always start practicing right when I was in the middle of a really important Zoom call. And so I was always like, oh, mute, 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 mute. I gotta, you know, fix this. Music can be wonderful, but it's gotta be meaningful. That's the point Paul's making in verse eight. If the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? Yeah, if that girl, bless her heart, <laughs> If she enlisted in the army and she was the one responsible to blow the bugle to send the troops into battle, God help us as a nation, all right? It would just be chaos. It would be like a five-year-old soccer game. Have you ever seen five-year-olds play soccer? I used to coach five-year-old soccer. It's just forward, should I go back? Oh, butterfly, I'm going that way. That's what it would be like, just chaos. And Paul's saying that's the effect that we have with a lot of our speech. We just let words float out without thinking about why we're saying them, without thinking about what we want to accomplish with them. Proverbs 25 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Love that picture. A word that's fit for the moment, fit for the person, fit for the way that you see God working in their life. If you give a word like that, then, then it's like apples made of gold. Just this beautifully crafted piece of art made with the finest materials in a setting of silver. Presented in just the right setting to make it even more meaningful, beautiful, purposeful. Verse 9, Paul continues. In the same way, in the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. Yeah, that's what it'd be like if I came and spoke the language that I studied in high school. I have no idea why I did this, but I took German in high school. It's like the most useless language in the world, German. It hasn't helped me at all, and it would not help you at all if I just stood up here and spoke German. The only time it helped me was when we rented a car in Germany, and we couldn't figure out how to make the GPS speak English, and so the GPS was just yelling at me in German the whole time. You know how German people always sound mad? That's what the GPS sounded like. Nach links! Nach links! Just like, left, you idiot, is what this GPS was saying to me the whole time. It, finally got us to Austria because of my limited German skills, but even if I had amazing German skills, I wouldn't help you at all. It would be of no benefit to you. And so verse 12, so also you, 
since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Have you noticed how often he keeps saying that? Build up. Look for ways to build up people with your words. Look for ways to speak life into people with your words. That's how you speak in the Spirit. If the Spirit is guiding your speech, you're going to be present, you're going to be purposeful, and then number three, you're going to be life-giving. You're going to build up the people around you. You're going to speak life into the people around you. Because you can be speaking either life or death. It says in Proverbs 10, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. In other words, your mouth is a fountain. You're always pouring out something through your mouth all over the people around you. The only question is, what is it that you're pouring out through your words? If you're self-driven, you're going to be pouring out a lot of death all over the people around you. But if you're spirit-driven, you're going to be pouring out life to the people around you. Because when it's the Spirit who is guiding you, when God himself is empowering you, you're going to speak life because God, God's mouth is a fountain of life. God himself spoke life into existence with just a word in Genesis 1. And then he spoke our salvation into existence by sending the word become flesh, his son Jesus Christ, in John 1. God is a fountain of life. And so here's the question we all got to ask today. Here's the question. Does my speech bring life to the people around me? Does my speech bring life to the people around me? When you're talking to your spouse, to your kids, do your words bring life or death? When you're talking to your coworkers, especially the coworkers who really annoy you, do your words bring life or death? When you're posting on social media, are you pouring life into other people or are you just kind of puffing up your own life and making everybody else feel death? How much are you pouring out life into the people around you? Because the reality is Paul has been showing us how to do that all through this letter, right from the very beginning. This letter to a church that got fall down drunk at the church potlucks, this church that didn't want to share with each other, so instead they sued each other. This church that celebrated really grotesque sexual immorality that even the world around them was really disturbed by. This church, you remember how Paul started his letter to this church? He said, I always thank my God for you. I thank God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Jesus Christ. He said, you are enriched in him in every way so that you do not lack any spiritual gift. And so you will be blameless in him at the day of the Lord. You're like, what? These people are rich in all speech and knowledge? Not lacking any gift? They're going to be guiltless in the day of the Lord? How does that make any sense? Well, because Paul said, because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. That's why. Paul knew that. He saw that, and so he wanted to remind them of that over and over and over again. He spoke life into them, and he did it consistently. Consistently. That's not how most of us operate. That's not how I operate. 
I can speak life many times, but then when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, when the fog is really bad like it was yesterday, I get grumpy and I start speaking death. James 3 says, I'm like a fountain. Look at what he says. What if a spring poured out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Sweet and bitter. You just never know what you're gonna get out of that spring. Like going to 7-Eleven, filling up your super big gulp with Sprite, but you never know if it's gonna be Sprite or sulfuric acid until you take a big gulp and figure that out. It could be Coke Zero, could be carbonated motor oil. You just don't know. That wouldn't be good. Or what if a fig tree produced olives or a grapevine produced figs? Yeah, what if somebody gave you a nice box of chocolate-covered macadamias, but half of them aren't macadamias, they're chocolate-covered cucarachas? What if you just don't know what you're going to get until you take one and take a bite? That's not going to work. And so James says, neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. You know what he's saying? Your speech is coming from a deep source, from a a spring that is far underground. Your words are coming straight from your heart. Like Jesus said in Matthew 12, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And that right there, that is why our speech, that's why our words are so significant. Because the sound waves that come from the vibrations of our vocal cords, the letters that are produced by our thumbs tapping on the phone, they all come from the depths of our hearts. And so that's why we need God to transform our hearts through the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need him to make us look more like Jesus every day. Jesus is present with you. He promised he'll never leave you or forsake you every day. Jesus is purposeful with you. He is conforming you to his likeness every single day. Jesus is life-giving towards you. He's speaking the best of you every day as your advocate in heaven. Jesus is present with you, purposeful with you, and life-giving toward you. And through his Holy Spirit, he is empowering you to be present and purposeful and life-giving towards the people around you. You just need to release your iron-fisted control over your life and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and speak through you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the life that you produce just with your words. As we look around this beautiful place that we call home, we see the fruit of your words all around us, the beautiful creation that you made, the living things in the air, under the water, growing on the mountainside. We see the beauty that you bring just through a word. And Lord, we who've put our faith in Jesus Christ, we've experienced the new life that you bring through a word. Through the word become flesh. Thank you for what we have experienced in the world around us and in our relationship with you through your son. 
So Lord, I pray that you would empower us, motivate us to speak life. Speak life into our families, our workplaces, our job sites and offices, our community groups, our ministry teams, into these islands. Speak life through us, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.